Hello and welcome to the Now Spinning Magazine podcast with me, Phil Aston. And on this episode, I'm delighted to have back with me Karen Emanuel, CEO of Key Production. Now, Key Production Group specializes in the production and manufacture of CDs, DVDs, vinyl records, and even cassettes, as well as bespoke packaging for music and a growing number of industries. And the group employs nearly 65 people. Is that right? And it's your 33 and a third birthday. As that is correct. That's correct. In two weeks' time, we'll be celebrating mightily our 33 <laughs> and a third birthday. <laughs> Makes me feel old. What a perfect what a perfect title for a birthday, though. Fantastic. Yes. <laughs> I'm well, surprised other is... people haven't done it. Yes, yes. Well, you're the first. <laughs> um, and of course, anyone else now have to wait another 33 and a third years, probably. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, now, this is a follow-up conversation to the one we had back in February of this year, uh, where we talked about whether this would be the year of peak vinyl. We got, obviously, the cost of living crisis. Would there be as many multivariant versions and coloured vinyl versions and box sets and 180-gram vinyl? Or would things change? So here we are as we enter November. Has the, has the year panned out as you thought it might have done? Yes, I'm just hoping I'm going to say the same as I did say back then and predicted. Um, I think as a company, we thought that we had reached a sort of a, you know, a, a peak. I think there, there was um, in the industry over COVID, there was a lot of people with spare money that um, were just buying loads of vinyl. I think a lot of people panicked a lot of the um bigger labels maybe panicked thinking there wasn't enough capacity so they had to get as much done as they could which kind of exacerbated a problem that there was a bit like buying toilet paper it's like oh if we don't get loads we're not going to have any um and, and I think that's kind of like played out in as much as we're seeing you know a lot a lot of the major record labels that had loads of pre-booked capacity at all the factories aren't using it so that there's capacity available and not only that um because there was so much more demand than supply um a lot of the factories bought new machines and a lot of new factories opened which gave even more capacity available on the marketplace um so there, there's definitely now more supply than demand and, and we we did think it was going to go that way we we were unsure quite how quickly it would so 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 that has certainly played out um going back to what you were saying um about the different variations mm -hmm. interesting we found some people have been cautious um cost of living crisis not quite knowing you know how the market's going to stabilize um, but then we've had other artists um, that are still going hell for leather for all the different variants um, that they can do. So, so it's still, and I, I possibly even said that at the time, that that it kind of depends who you speak to as to what they're doing. And and, and again, I think that that's, that has been the case. Um, what else? 140 rather than 180 gram? Well, that's a sustainability. Um, statement not many people could 
if any, could tell the difference between 140 gram and 180 gram I vinyl to listen to. I can't. Mm-hmm. Um, I have met someone who reckons they can, but then he's got <laughs> he's got stereo equipment that's worth gazillions. Um, so, yeah, I think that's more of a sustainability thing. And I think we are seeing more of that. People are becoming a bit more aware that they do have to do something for the planet. Um what else? I mean, forgive me, but what else did you ask me there? Um, I also, it? I mean, what I mean, one of the things that has happened is that, regardless of the cost of living crisis, vinyl has increased again by about thirteen plus percent, hasn't it, this year? And CDs have dropped by about six percent. So they they're still holding their own, but they have dropped back a bit. Um, have you seen that yourself from your own from your own business? Um. I mean, we we've seen a decrease in volumes overall, but not but but not an unexpected decrease. If you if you see what I mean, it's um, and I think that the figures that you're quoting me are the figures that are sold, and yeah. I'd be interested in how what happens, I guess, over the next sort of six months. Because obviously that was sold of, of for products that was manufactured a while ago. Of course, so yeah. I'd, I'd like to see. You know, so I'd be quite interested in see seeing how that plays out. Um, but as I say, it's a kind of re- a reduction in things that that we weren't not expecting. So, for example, you know, a lot of catalogue was pressed previously. It's in warehouses now. It doesn't need to be pressed again until it sells through. So, so that's caused for for us at, at this end of manufacturing um, a, a slight decline. CDs, I'd say, are still probably you know holding up for us. Um, that you know that the a lot of the companies that we deal with have still have the same steady trade that they had. So, whilst there might be an overall decline in purchasing of of six percent. You know, for, for us, I'd, I'd say they were st- still holding their own. And and in fact, there's been some cases where I've noticed that younger people are starting to buy CDs a bit more. It obviously hasn't done anything to the overall sales yet. Um, but certainly some of the sort of younger bands um, that I've spoken to have been asking about putting their tracks out on CD. Um, rather than vinyl, which I thought was quite interesting. Now, I don't know whether that's a hangover from not being able to get vinyl quickly because, oh, boy, you can get it quickly now. None of that nine months rubbish. (laughs) Um, Yeah, we're we're, we're seeing sort of, you know, two, three months, um, you know, if, if you've got your assets ready, which is a huge difference. So it just alters the whole look of the marketplace or or, or whether, you know, the, the sort of price difference, um, is is making them them go for CDs, but I thought I think that's quite interesting. Yeah, I I asked on um, the YouTube channel and on the website and in the Facebook group as well what if people's habits had changed this year because obviously every, everybody has seen an increase in cost, which came in probably just after we we spoke. That's how it felt anyway. And uh, I had quite a few younger people saying they'd started to buy CDs because they couldn't 
they couldn't afford to buy as many vinyl albums, but they still wanted to support their bands that they liked. And so the CD became a, um, a kind of more obvious choice. And I also interviewed a few bands where they were concentrating on the CD first, not because of a hold up in waiting for the vinyl to be pressed. As you say, that's easier now, but just they wanted to see how it would go commercially before they, before they decided to have a, a short, um, vinyl run. And when I say a short vinyl run, that's what's really become apparent to me is how short a vinyl run can actually be. It can literally be what three to four hundred. Yes, yes. I spoke um, to, yeah, I spoke to an artist last week and he was and he was saying, Oh yes, Phil, we you know, we've got the we've got vinyl coming out. It's going to be splatter vinyl and it's going to be and also a black vinyl one. And he said they'll all be autographed. And I said, how many is there? And he went, well, there's a hundred of one. <laughs> there's 150 of the other. And I was quite surprised that that's what it, that's what it was. And they were all basically pre-ordered, you know, by basically people saying, yes, I'll have one. Then based on the numbers of the people who'd said, I'd like one, please. That's how many they pressed. Yeah. I mean, the, so if you, th- if you think back during the crisis period, um, pressing plants just were trying to get out as much as they could so they stopped doing small runs because it because obviously there's a lot of downtime in between sort of the machines you have to sort of reload yeah. the stampers and, and labels and everything um so they weren't doing they'd all stop doing lower runs but now there's lots more capacity in the marketplace and they want to fill their machines with anything they're, they're much happier to do the lower runs um we you know, do, doing a hundred. You see, sometimes I mean, we we do um, breed media in Sheffield do do um, offer lower runs of vinyl, but quite often it's doing much less than three hundred. It it costs round about the same to do a hundred as it does three hundred. So yeah, you what one, one has to sort of weigh up what's worthwhile. Um, obviously, if you're only going to sell a hundred, then do a hundred because you don't want to waste them or turn them into nice bowls. Well, maybe you do. <laughs> um, but yes, the, 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 the pressing plants are way, way, way more flexible now because they've got a lot more capacity to fill. But I guess one of the things is, cause I've, I, I think when I spoke to you, I might've had about one or two vinyl box sets. So now I've got quite a few, some of them I bought and some of them I've been, I've been sent to review and stuff. But what I've noticed is that the, there's, there's obviously a trend, especially perhaps with the bigger labels and the ones that are pressed in Czechoslovakia, wherever, that the love is going into the the vinyl set. You know, it's got the booklet and it's got all the bells and whistles and sometimes extra things inside it. And the and the little CD box set that comes alongside it has got no booklet, just plain digipacks or as almost as if, well, we need to do this. But overall, I can, you know, in all the blurb, it'll say there's 5,000 of these worldwide uh, on the vinyl box. CD box, it doesn't say, but I imagine there's probably that, not many either. But so, so obviously there's still a focus, I guess, because of the revenue aspect of it, um, is that there's more revenue and money in pushing the vinyl set. Whereas there is still a lot of, there is still an audience, especially for um, CD box sets of a band's back catalogue. And I think once you get past the five albums or six albums in a box, final box, you are reaching a point where it's not really feasible to have a final box set with 14 albums in it. 
<laughs> and I think that's probably where the dial moves over towards the CD box set. Once you get um, like uh, the, there's a Billy Bragg box set coming out with 14 CDs in it. I can't imagine that being a vinyl set. It would just be so is there like a line where someone you would suggest to somebody, I know you want to do this on vinyl, but trust me, this might be better as a CD box set. Um, That's interesting. You see, I should know about the Billy Bragg one. I don't know whether it's on vinyl or not. Um, I must find out. Um, Yeah. Is there a point? I suppose you need to know what your audience is going to be um, and what price they're going to pay. Because I'm imagining a yeah, a 14 vinyl box set, you're going to need something really quite bespoke and beautiful to put it in. Um, you know, a card might not, even a very, very thick card might not hold it. You'd have to look at wood or metal or something like that. So the price point would be quite a lot. But but I, th- I think very much it depends on, on the artist and the audience and, and what they think the audience will buy because you do have some people that will buy something that's even if it's hundreds of pounds as a as a one-off if you love the artist and you want something that's really beautiful as a sort of remembrance keepsake whatever where you've got everything in one so I would say those decisions are made more more by the um i guess the artist management the label knowing knowing their audience and what the audience wants and and i think it's also interesting what you said before with with some of the smaller bands of actually pre-selling first before they then go on and make the items so that you know that it's going to be worthwhile and how many you're going to do and that you're going to sell them all out and and then you can work out that it's worth it to do yeah because the Touching on the, the the presentation of the CD, because I think p- companies like Cherry Red and Cooking Vinyl they do great um, CD box sets and they're they're really popular. But the the single the single CD, I I can I feel very confident in saying that the the jewel box, the plastic jewel box, is people's feel towards that is is in steep decline. There's still one or two people that just love them, but overall the tactile element of the digipack is much better for the environment and just feels better and looks better. However, um, there is that line where it goes towards almost like a fold-out piece of card. There's no booklet in it. And um, it just almost feels like something that would be stuck on the front of a magazine or it's like something you'd have software in it. And I I, I mentioned this in a recent video and um, someone from a record label actually got in touch and said, Phil, you've said that um, it feels really cheap, but that's really costly to make one of those. And I do sometimes wonder whether with physical media music being around the 13% mark of the overall music market, that, and it's a very passionate and dedicated um, people of all sorts of ages, not just an older age group, but younger people as well who really like buying CDs and vinyl, is that um, when I was talking to this person, they, they weren't quite sure what it was that the the people who buy actually would prefer. So they were thinking, well, this will be really good. It just folds out into a panel. There's no booklet or anything. But but And, and the audience are thinking, no, this looks like really cheap and doesn't feel worth 12.99 at all um that 
maybe uh, I've said this in a bit of a complicated way that there's almost been some market research into what packaging is the most popular because there are so many ways of packaging a CD up whereas vinyl is kind of it's either gatefold or it's a single sleeve uh, really um but <laughs> <laughs> well yes yes there are variations but with CDs like there's a multiverse of of ways of presenting a CD, isn't the media book, um, yeah. booklet, fold out panels? Yeah, um, I can tell you from I, I suppose looking at the client base that we've got. I mean, there's certainly been a move away from jewel boxes, which my sustainability head on, I'm very pleased about. Um, and also, I don't, personally, I really don't like them at all. <laughs> you drop them on the floor, bang. Yeah, and they, they, get, uh, they get scruffy yeah. and after, after a while as well, don't they? Yeah. Um, as, as a buyer of product, again, I'm only speaking personally, I like a I like a booklet. I like information. I mean, I, th- I think one, one of the things about consuming physical product is that you want to sit and listen and you have either the LP sleeve or the or the booklet or whatever on your lap and you're looking through and reading about the band maybe, maybe the lyrics, maybe looking at who the producer was and what they you know, thinking about what they've done before. And 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 certainly with with um vinyl, you're you're looking at a piece of art. Yes. So so for me, the kind of tactile sensation is part of what I buy into. Um I I think it would be great to do some research to to see what other people say, like you say, particularly about CDs. I do think there's a swathe of people who buy CDs who who love the digitized sounds of it because it's a very pure sound. Um, and and yeah, you know, I do think there. Yeah, as I say, that there are people that that buy it specifically for that. Now, are they? Do they then mind if it's packaged quite simply? Because they're getting the value in the actual sound carrier. Um, I, I don't know. I, I can't I can't answer that for other people. I can only answer it for myself. I, I I prefer. But the thing is, if I wanted to buy the music and it was only available on CD, I'd get it. Whatever. That, I might that, be slightly yeah. disappointed, but yeah, I'd that's, still get that, it. Yeah, that's very true. I would. I'm very confident in saying that well over ninety five plus percent of of my readers and viewers think that if it's a cd it should have a booklet it should have some form of booklet in it somewhere i think once that's not there it just because it's it's kind of feels it's a piece of folded card with the disc shoved in one end which which i know is still costly to make it but the booklet um is i think important and when it's not there there's a kind of feeling of oh and and i also there is an i think there's another demographic of people and i've also crept into this myself in that when you when i walk around hmv or i see the cd version i can see it's like it looks like just very simple affair and i'm thinking well i think i'm going to go for the vinyl and then for ease i might just sit and use my network streamer and have the vinyl album on my lap so just for the ease of being able to play it without going through the ritual of putting the record on i'm sometimes streaming it but looking at the record and uh, i know oh, my youngest son does this a lot and i think this is called silent vinyl isn't it uh, I mean, he does it a lot <laughs> but he likes the he likes the 
the whole feel of buying, you know, the, the album, you know, in that way. Yeah, that's interesting. I'd never heard the the term silent vinyl. I like it. Um, <laughs> I, I imagine a lot of people do. There, you know, there are there are stats um, that that say how many you know people buy it, but don't actually listen to the vinyl itself. And I know a lot of people use it to you know as as artwork, either on their walls or or just as a possession or just to touch and hold. And you feel you feel more connected to an artist. I think when you actually hold something of theirs um rather than it just just being streamed um but yeah that's it's interesting isn't it i mean I'd, i think i'd probably go for vinyl over cd anyway just because i don't know i'm old-fashioned i like it <laughs> well I've, I've i've noticed him uh across um the youtube channel and the website that when when i started this it was probably predominantly cd um fans with a few people playing their old records and stuff but and no one streamed no one even admitted to streaming ever it was like you know you just didn't mention it um, but now um i would say that the whole community and the the kind of subscriber base are people that do all of those things everybody streams now everybody buys vinyl and everybody most people buy cds as well everyone's kind of just picks into what they feel like depending on the artist so i think there's no differential some people say oh, i bought that on rec i bought the vinyl for that this time or i bought the cd oh, i streamed it first to see what it was like and then it introduced me to something else that i thought i might like so so yeah. i think that's a very healthy feel so i think you know when a lot of the industry will say this is or this has gone down or this has gone up most music fans don't see those those you know those lines in the sand at all it's just they like a band and if they really like a band, they'll buy the CD and the vinyl. Uh, and, and the T-shirt. And the T-shirt, the whole lot. <laughs> the only real fly in the ointment, I think, has been, and I see this a lot across my platforms, is the quality of the pressing for vinyl sometimes can can let it down. You buy a CD, you put it on, it works. It plays. But the questions you get when I'm reviewing a vinyl album is, what's the pressing like, Phil? What's the inner sleeve like? Um, you know, is there any paper dust on it? Is it, what's it like? And, and, and again, a number of people will say, I bought that fill and I've had to send it back. You know, there, there is a, I mean, um, I ran a campaign. Well, I started running a campaign at the beginning of the year called the, the campaign for polylined in a sleeve for all new vinyl records, because there are so many that I was kind of like just opening up in front of my camera and they were like, I couldn't get them out of the inner sleeve or they were covered in dust. Or they were they even had some marks on from just literally dragging them out of the inner sleeve. I mean, have you are you are you aware of that kind of thing with vinyl pressings? Um, well, yeah, it's traditionally most yeah, a lot of vinyl has been in paper sleeves, awful lot cheaper than polylined inners, um, which I I think is a, is a is a thought behind it, especially with the lower run stuff. Um, Yes, there is. Yeah, paper dust can get left and it can leave marks. Doesn't affect the quality of the playing of the record. So, it. I mean, it. It's a tricky one. Again, as an artist, someone putting something out, you 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 are very cost aware, and you know people will go that that there is quite a difference in it. 
as I say, it doesn't affect the playing of the record. So technically, shouldn't really be sending it back unless it's if unless it's damaged, unless it, kind uh, of. Yeah, unless it's damaged. Yeah. Yeah, it's sort of you know visual imperfections can can happen. Yeah, it's it's a very manual process pressing records. A, a lot can go wrong in it. Um, quality wise, I mean, I think there's no excuse for any factory to be poor quality. Um, thankfully, no one that we've used. <laughs> I'm just trying to think back. Um, have we had any issues with that? There, there are issues every now and again with a part of the process in all the, the different factories. Um, but the actual quality of the vinyl that should be very consistent across all the main, certainly the, 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 the bigger factories, possibly some of the smaller ones finding their feet haven't quite got things right. But, you know, there's there's no excuse <laughs> For not having a good quality record um, out of out of a factory these days, I think in the olden days, um, when I first started, um, a lot more vinyl was being pressed, and a lot more vinyl went in was, was sort of chart records, the singles chart, and I'm, we were pressing hundreds of thousands of, of records for the singles chart, and it was very very fast moving. So then there wasn't so much people didn't think so much about the quality all they wanted was them in the shops to sell so it was more it was more of um a commodity rather than a luxury good so back then yeah i i, I will i will freely admit you know they were just getting them out the door as fast as possible and they were sometimes they were quite light if you if you if you try and get them out too quickly and you don't um cool them down enough um then they can warp um you know if you're not careful with the machines you get kind of like little bits it's called the bush um in in the middle of the the um record that where the hole is it can have like little bits off there they weren't trimmed properly you got rough edges things like this i mean i I've, i really certainly with all the factories we use i don't see that anymore um as i say that some visual you might get some visual effects on it, but it shouldn't affect the playing of the record. You know, sometimes when when you make a stamper, you might get a teeny tiny bit of dust that you don't notice um, that compresses into the record. Now, if that causes a problem, then then fair enough. Then then that record should be rejected. But again, you might see a tiny tiny little mark on it. But it still plays absolutely fine. You know, it's 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 not the same process as 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 a CD. No, you no. know, it's very hands on. So you know, you've got to give it a little a little bit of leeway. Yeah, I ju- I just felt that the the kind of the polyline in a sleeve is because a lot of people buy those anyway afterwards and put the records in. That and a lot of the blurb on the front of the box sets and stuff will say pressed on 180 gram vinyl. As if like that's one of the things that makes it special. But it could equally say also includes a polyline sleeve. In fact, um, Fish from Marillion has just done a video of his of his of his albums that are coming out on vinyl, and he actually he includes polyline sleeves as part of the package um, to give people a choice. So, and I think yeah. some of this has probably come more um, acute because of the 
because of the price of a record, like you said, it's not just a commodity now. It's not like an impulse buy. If you're going to buy a double album, it could be between thirty-five and forty pounds. So there's there's some thought going into that before you think, shall I buy that or not, or shall I? So you're you're kind of you're you're probably your senses are heightened to any imperfections when you spend forty pounds and get it home to what you expect it to be. Yeah, I, I I I understand that, and yeah, I'd I'd be well. We 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 just do what we're what we're asked to do, um, and I agree. Putting a, a, a record into a polyline in a yes, that you don't get paper dust because it's polylined, yeah. um, so you don't get any of those issues. But yeah, again, I suppose it depends on the artist. Are they aware? And you know, and the price point of point, what yeah. they're willing to pay. Because see, the problem is, I was having this discussion the other day. A very small increase at my end of the market makes for a very big increase when it gets in the shops, which is quite frustrating because it can be only a you know a, a few pence um, more, or, or even several pence more. But once you, once it goes through everywhere that percentage increase the higher it gets the, the yeah, more it is yeah. sort of thing um and i think you know there there is only so much people will pay for a record and if it makes that much difference as you go up the chain maybe me people are are making that decision and i th- i think with some of the sort of smaller artists that are just starting out a lot of it is is very price conscious um and you know and the poly yeah that nothing's going to change the fact that a paper bag and a polylined linen um polylined dinner are going to be very different at the price point there's there's nothing that can be done about that I, overall we've talked about smaller artists doing smaller runs but are even bigger artists actually having smaller runs for either their um presentation box sets or their their traditional new releases Again, I think bigger ones, no. I don't think we've seen anything going down particularly. Um, very hard to ask me, I guess, as as, as a middle person, um, in as much as would I know that last time they did 75,000 and this time they're only doing 50,000? It, it's it's not the detail that I would particularly know off the top of my head. I don't feel, again, I think it's, it's back to the multi-format thing you ask some people and they're actually going no you know what it's it's exactly as we thought it would be it's in fact you know it's actually we were surprised at how many were being sold and then you'll ask someone else and they'll go well yeah it it, it is a bit less than we expected we thought based on the last album it was going to be a bit more so it, it's a very, very hard question to answer mm. with with any knowledge. Well, for for my side, what I'm seeing and talking to uh, my audience is that is what would have been happening about a year ago would have been if it was a box set, whether it was vinyl or or CD, people would have seen the the original price as it came out into the market, and then they would have sat 
patiently waiting for um, Amazon or someone to drop the price quite dramatically a few months in. And and then everyone would be saying, look, I got a bargain, whatever. Um, what we've noticed this year is there is no time to sit on the fence waiting patiently because it will just disappear. So it's things don't hang around now. And in fact, even Amazon doesn't seem to get as much as it used to. And I'm seeing more of my uh, readers and viewers going to um, outlets like Burning Shed or places like that uh, because they they seem to have more stock or, or the price actually is very competitive. Or they know that if they hang around, if the price probably won't drop at all. In fact, it will probably do the complete opposite and go higher and higher as as there's less and less product available. That's interesting. So I wonder if that's because people are pressing less, so there's less available. That's that's a possibility, isn't it? Um, or people are not going to Amazon so much and are going to their local stores or yeah. there's a lot of direct-to-customer product that comes out these days as well. Um, yeah, that that is that's interesting and actually really nice to know in a way that that everything that is out there is being bought <laughs> it's better than it all sitting around on shelves isn't it <laughs> well it is a, i mean a, a classic a, an obvious one to me was um was the thin lizzie live and dangerous cd box set that came out in just into february i think it sold out within 24 hours uh, it just it just disappeared um, and there's been quite a few things like that where they've just literally gone and i know cherry red do very short pressings of their box sets and they always do a, a quick rerun but they always each time they do that they do less obviously e- each time um but but i i have definitely noticed that the other thing about numbers obviously to get to number one in the album charts is on average around twenty thousand copies isn't it? it's about that uh, i know the rolling stones have did seventy two thousand, yeah. but they're an outlier like Taylor Swift, but usually yeah. it's about 18, 22,000. And that's usually made up of a potpourri of cassettes, um, multicolored versions, normal vinyl, CDs, media books, and all sorts of things. So yeah. for that to get to number one, and then usually the week after that artist and that record disappears out of the top 75. So this is why I was interested in the dynamics of how many to actually make, because obviously once that's happened, those the record is obviously still the out the album, sorry, still selling, but in a different way. Or, or is that number not accurate? Are there lots of things being sold that don't make it into that into the chart? There's a lot more reported no there's a lot more made than is reported as being sold got you that that's for sure not necessarily on the chart staff but in total yeah. and the reason the reason we know that is that you, sometimes you'll get the bpi figures out going uh, however many millions records have been sold this year and we're sat there going well we're only a tiny part of the industry and we've done that so that's obviously <laughs> not right <laughs> um not everything go um is chart eligible um a load of stuff isn't you know isn't and a load of stuff just goes completely straight dc gets sold at, at gigs and shows of course yeah. um you know independent shops that might not have you know the, the chart eligibility and, and all of that so it's interesting there's a lot of talk around at the moment i i, I sit on sit in various groups 
vinyl manufacturers um, saying it's like how how do we get this data so that it actually means anything? And uh, I don't think anyone's really come up with an answer because you can go to the factories and say this is what we've made. And then you go to the BPI, for example, and say, this is what is sold. And you've got this huge disparity in the in the middle that some of which has probably been sold and some of which has probably been in, in a warehouse and you kind of don't know, don't know where. So 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 yeah, the 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 numbers, the numbers reported as an overall are definitely different to, to the numbers that are sold overall. Um the charts is the charts you know you have to get it scanned beeped whatever um somewhere where it's chart eligible and then you they report back to the charts and and that is those are the true figures for the charts <laughs> um but well, yeah that, i, I yeah. guess then they sell through in in whatever numbers i mean you look at some of the the, the big kind of classic albums out there they're always in the charts because they're always just steadily selling that's true, and as you say, being scanned across the, the bricks and mortar counters, whereas a lot of bands will be selling boxes of their albums on CD or perhaps some on vinyl at their gigs, won't they? And they'll have just got them from the pressing plant and they're selling them straight to people on the merch store, and none of that will be technically counted as as, as yeah. sales as such. That's right, and you've got and there's there's loads of direct to customer sales as well, sort of, of on, online. Um, and and again, they they might not be sort of chart eligible. So yeah, so that's so there's lots, so that, lots more out there. That's really interesting, isn't it? Because when Music Week and Billboard will say this is the the physical music market is is makes up thirteen and a half percent out of you know all the albums sold last week, but that's not actually accurate, is it? They <laughs> actually need to talk to the people that make them and say how many do you press this year? Is it? It's a better stat, isn't well, it? Well, you say that, but 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 is it? Because out of the amount that that you make, they might still say, be how, on the how, shelves. How many? Yeah, they might still be on the shelves. They might be still in the warehouse. Yeah. Um. You know, it's it, it's a really difficult thing, which is why everyone keeps talking about it, but no one quite knows how to deal with it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess it, it's uh, the fact that we're all still here and you're growing and celebrating your 33 and a third <laughs> birthday means that um, a lot of them aren't sitting on shelves or in warehouses. They're actually making their ways onto record decks and CD drives. Yes, I do hope so. <laughs> and, and long may it continue. And we're yeah, not that, going anywhere. <laughs> no, I, I mean, I think that's the one thing I feel confident in, in. And since I've been doing this from where I am, is that people love the people that love buying physical media really love it. And and the people who've just got into it, I talk to a lot of uh, young music fans. And there's, well, I, I went to a um, local record store day. If we kind of touch on that um, towards the end of the interview. I go into a local record shop and the average age of people in there is under 30 and it's busy with people buying vinyl records, some buying CD, but a lot of vinyl records. So it's, whereas if I think back about four or five years, it was full of blokes of a certain age, um, wandering around, um, and, and then putting everything back again. Um, it's, it's not like that now. <laughs> no. And, and, you know, I mean, I, I say this quite often, I think it's sort of, there's there's another two generations under sort of my generation now that have become collectors and once you're a collector 
you're always a collector. You don't kind of lose it. So so you've now got sort of our our generation, and then you've got another couple couple below it. And yeah, and kids younger and younger. Just from people that I know with kids, have started asking for you know record players for their birthdays and vinyl and. And, you know, they've, they've, they've start, started it and they're starting it quite young and that's just going to continue up. So I can't see, yeah, I think we had an extraordinary blip of more um, demand than supply that, that just went off the scale. But that was due to so many, you know, different circumstances, mainly um, through sort of COVID. Um, so, so that was a blip. But I think, you know, I can't see anything. It's not going away and and it's only going to get more and more people that kind of like buy into it with all the with all the new pressing plants and coming online uh, do you, do you feel that is that sustainable do you think or do you think that is no 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 i mean oh, i find it quite sad really I, I i went to a conference quite recently i think i had four new uk plants approach me and they none of them had opened yet and I'm like, oh, I love what you're doing. I love the fact that you're doing it and you're so enthusiastic about it and you've got all these ideas and these niches that you can move into. But I can't see how it's going to work because they're just, you know, that there's there's enough, there's more than enough capacity in the marketplace. So I do think some people will struggle, which, excuse me, is, you know, obviously very sad. Um but I don't. I don't think some of them are sustainable. You don't think that they will see like a, a kind of wrong phrase, perhaps race to the bottom of people trying cut costs and make offer different pressing deals for bands to say we can do that cheaper than because it must be a point where you can't. That there, there will be some people doing it, but there, there's there's a there is a point when you can't, and the point is probably almost at what they're selling out at already. It's an expensive old business. Yeah, it's it's why I never bought a factory. Was I could see how hard it would be to be sustainable. Yeah. Um. So I do think that yeah that there will be there will be some people undercutting, which is quite a dangerous thing to do because if they're already struggling, the reason that they'll be sort of lowering their their prices significantly is more than likely because they're struggling and they're trying to buy market share but if they're trying to do that then then they will be selling they won't be able to be, make a profit and they'll just kind of exacerbate a, yeah. a downward trend trends which you know isn't good um do you, do you so think yeah, there, the, there might be a bit of that do you think the cost of vinyl has kind of leveled off for a while um because mm-hmm. then I th- yeah i think it's you, Definitely. Um, I think there are still elements around it where the prices are going up, um, but I, but it's definitely stabilised in as much as, um, yeah, a lot of the um, energy surcharges have, have gone now. Of so, course, yeah. so, so in a way, it's actually gone down. Um and the material, you, know, you you can buy the material again when, when there was um, a shortage of material. Obviously, it then got much more expensive, and so that's leveled out. So a lot of things have leveled out. What hasn't leveled out is wages have still gone up. You know, um, you know, fuel bills are still 
going up. The cost of living is still going up. So there's still a lot that's going up around it. But but what we what I'm well, sincerely hope we don't see. But I mean, who knows that the, the world's gone a little bit to pieces recently. Um, you know, everything else is relatively stable in in the in this side of manufacturing at the moment so unless any outside forces hit it it should we shouldn't see what we saw a couple of years ago with like literally we were getting price increases overnight mm. no debate no negotiation it is what it is in order for us to get this we've had to get that um and and so that's what it is so so that's all kind of settled down um, so it should be more or less stable. I'm saying that and then thinking it's like, oh, don't quote me on it. <laughs> I think uh, I think one of, one of the things of talking to lots of I've done lots of interviews with young younger bands and new bands and independent artists this year, and a lot of them have all said the same thing. They've actually put their prices up for buying CDs directly from themselves. So a single CD sometimes is 18, 20 pounds and a double is 25. And I was talking to one guy of one band and he said, well, everything's going up. A jar of coffee is nearly eight pound fifty, or in all these things, he said. It's he said musicians drink the same and eat the same food, and obviously we need to put our prices up as well. So yes. he was saying that he he's got like a back catalogue of the band. It's a it's a full time band. They've got a back catalogue of about seven or eight albums, a couple of live albums. Um, they do very limited vinyl, but mainly CD. And he said they've had people say you need to give us a better discount, and they said no. We should be putting our prices up every year because our costs are going up, fuels going up, tour going on tours going up, hotel bills are going up, and and I, but what's interesting is that the fans of this band um, who are very loyal are absolutely fine to support that, and I think that there will be a part a part of the audience of physical media who hark back almost as if we're stuck in a time warp of thinking everything was ten quid. <laughs> All CDs are £10 and vinyl should be 15 and we think it's 1983 or something. Um, but actually the world has changed and I, and I do feel, as you said earlier, if it's something that people really want and they feel an emotional attachment to the artist and the band, they'll just pay it. Yeah, I think the the other thing I did when when there was a lot of um, chat about the sort of prices of albums and things, there's a really funky thing I found online, which was a kind of a, an inflation calculator. Oh, yeah. And you put in a price of what it was however many years ago, and then they, they put in what that is no. looking at inflation nowadays. And there's not that much of a difference. It's kind of gone up as it should do and so and it sh- and you're right it should go up as it should do because i think sometimes people forget that buying the music is supporting the band and if you don't then you're not going to hear the band because they won't be able to afford to make music exactly you know? and, and well yeah i talk a lot about sustainability but what i always remind remind people about is it's we also want a sustainable music industry because we need people to be paid for the work that they're doing exactly. so that we can all enjoy it. Uh, otherwise, otherwise, you don't have an industry. Very true. 
So, and so what, as you come up to your 33 and a third birthday for your, for your company and your staff, what, uh, what are your thoughts going forward into 2024? Well, that's always a difficult question, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Keep doing more good things. Um, yeah, as, as I think, as I said before, I, I can't see, um, yeah, I can't see people. Yeah, I, I still think we've, there's a really strong marketplace out, out there. Um, I'm the type of person that always wants to do more. So, you know, we're, we're, we're just, you know, going to be out there keeping on, keeping on. Um, doing, yeah, yeah, hopefully a lot more um, bespoke um, box sets. I think some people, because of the cost of living crisis, held back a little bit on some of the bespoke stuff that they that they were doing. So we're looking forward to doing quite a lot more of that in the next year. Um, yeah, just just do, doing what we do well and and turning out really great product for people, um, and ho- hopefully getting even bigger. Yeah, and um, I must tell people to visit your website. It's got to be one of the best websites in the world uh, it's just so creative and so much fun uh, especially clicking on the bit about see the team and the structure and everything and all the wacky photos and, and of people and i think it's a it makes the industry look like such a lot of fun and it makes some um, key production look like a, a wonderful place to work thank you i do hope so we've got we've got a lot of people here that have been here a very long time <laughs> yeah well, that's fantastic isn't it because that's quite rare in itself that you know yeah and and clients actually, I, my 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 first two clients are still with us back oh, from wow. nineteen ninety. <laughs> so, well, thanks yeah. very much, Karen, for your time, and uh, wish you all the success going forward in twenty twenty four. And especially, obviously, you have a great party in a couple of weeks, isn't it? And um, hopefully, we'll talk again um, later next year. Yes, absolutely. Um, as I say, I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Take care and I'll speak to you soon. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> A huge thank you to my guest, Karen Manuel from Key Production. Isn't it wonderful to know that physical media, physical records, CDs are in safe hands? And that's the second time I've spoken to Karen. And it's wonderful to see that, you know, production of vinyl is now, there's no there's no cues, there's no hold-ups, the quality of vinyl is going up, and CDs, sales are also stable. I think it's wonderful. And I think the other thing I really, really love is the fact that Karen and her team, you must check out the website, which is keyproduction.co.uk, because it's an amazing website anyway. Um, but when you look through it and the way that the, the staff are involved and the fact that the turnover for key production is so low, People obviously love their jobs and I can imagine they would, you know, working with records, CDs. And as Karen has said, we're all the same. All of us who love physical media is the tactile fact of being closer to the artist, closer to the music that really makes such a difference. So I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Karen and hopefully we'll do another one in 2024. But thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe to the YouTube channel and to the website, to this podcast and also check out the Facebook group as well where you'll be amongst lots of 
record and CD collectors from around the world. So remember, music is the doctor and the healer. Keep spinning those discs, whatever they are. Stay safe, and I shall see you on my next episode.